So it's the late 90s. By then, Predator is sort of old news. And Steven Seagal makes a movie called The Glimmer Man. And I never thought that I would ever have to, A, watch that movie again, or B, use that term again. Horrible movie. But what I found out was that there have been sightings of a creature that looks sort of like the Predator when it's cloaked. Mm-hmm. A there lot have been like. videos and, and pictures and just article after article. It's, it's such a prevalent phenomenon that there is its, it has its own subreddit called Glimmerman. And again, it just looks like the Predator in full cloaking mode. If you don't know what I'm saying, I mean, just, just envision heat shimmers on a highway on a summer day. It's just sort of a hazy, indistinct, almost human shape. Now, I remember about this time frame, the late 90s, talking to a friend of mine and him saying he saw a piece of video that showed the Shimmerman. And mind you, this is the early days of the internet, and he may have seen this somewhere else. And I'm going to talk about that later. Well, I said Shimmerman, didn't I? I was going to say, some people do associate it as Shimmer, some people as Glimmer. I think we're going to try to refer to it as Glimmer. I have Glimmer in my notes. But God bless your soul, if you try to do research and you punch in Glimmer Man, you're going to see a lot of Steven Seagal. Yeah. Well, we're not going to talk about Steven Seagal. No. We're going to talk about the Glimmer Man. From a child born into this world, we are taught what to believe. Close-minded, we become fearful to be deceived. Still, we desire to know what lies beyond that locked door. The art of the storyteller, conjuring tales of legend and lore. History hidden, lost knowledge, things forgotten, and the unknown. These are the things that direct us and will set the tone. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Nightmares on the Lost Highway. The Glimmer Man. A few things that I just kind of made notes generally expected when what you should envision when we hear the word glimmer man. Number one is a cloaked creature, possibly alien, kind of a translucent, as Bill said, almost like uh, heat waves off of a highway. One person described it like it was made of water, like it was a glass vessel filled full of water. Uh, Number two, it can appear in different sizes, but usually it's a a larger humanoid, uh, some seven foot, even nine foot tall. I I had heard, or I I saw a couple of stories about little glimmer entities, glimmer men. Maybe Um, they're baby. Maybe. (laughs) Number three, it, it obviously seems to be able to, we'll call it cloak itself, very similar to, as Bella said, the predator. I mean, literally straight up out of the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Uh, series. Number four, some believe that this is a, a cryptid creature similar to that of a shadow person. In some of the articles I read, it, it even kind of associates it. But a shadow person is just that. It's a, a dark, shadowy figure where this is more of a, a clear translucent. It, it's a thing you can see. It's there. It's mainly discerned by the distortion that it leaves as you see through it. If it's just standing still, you probably won't notice it. Yeah, yeah. But if it moves, or you move, and it moves in relation to you, it it's just, like I said, it's almost that shimmery heat wave effect. You can see through it. it but it, like, distorts it the distorts background. It distorts what's behind it, and yeah. that's how you detect it. And I don't know about you, but that is pants-soilingly. <laughs> pants-soilingly, I like that. Uh, the, the, just that thought of that, like, would make me just. And you have man, no idea what you're looking at. Yeah, because you don't know what it is. Again, people say it's a humanoid shape, but 
Is it some sort of alien? Is it the well, actual predator? Number five. Others believe this is undoubtedly an alien creature. That's one of the things that pop up. Interdimensional. Yes. I saw. Number six. It seems to have, or many times, telepathic abilities to communicate with only certain person or persons that it chooses. And like not everybody in the area may hear it. Well, and, and in those circumstances, the message isn't always clear either. Mm-hmm. Like some, they, it's, it's like it can communicate and it can give you some information, but it doesn't know how to speak our language, so to speak. Yeah. It can't communicate to you in a way that you understand. You just know that it's trying to communicate. Number seven, it often exhibits great dexterity, abilities to jump, leap, or bounce, I mean, 20, 30, even 40 foot in single bounds. I've got a series of anecdotes, and yeah, that, that's definitely part of it. Number eight, it seems to be able to almost charm or lure its victims in some cases to come to the creature, uh, often affiliated with dense woods or forests. Number nine, many times it's described to have the ability, and this is creepy, and this is out of the movie Predator 2, to mimic a person's tone and voice to replay as its own voice, to your point. One of my stories even references a strange clicking sound associated with it, straight out of Predator. Now, obviously, this is a good trick for, you know, to trick people into going places, doing things they wouldn't (laughs) normally do. But if they hear a family member's voice saying, oh, come down the steps or come into the forest, they would be more open to it. Want some candy? Yeah, want some candy. I had a friend that used to do that all the time. (laughs) From the, was it Predator 2, I think it is, with the little kid. Want some candy? And lastly, number 10, the glowing eye color often yes. seen at night in the reflection. Now, this was kind of strange. I, I saw stories where it said uh, green, red, or gold reflection, which many of those are associated, especially the green gold with uh, cats, Yeah, like large cats. Yeah. But, uh, apparently, I mean, this is relatively new. The, the sightings have only really started to come forward here in the past few years. But again, sightings do go back for decades with with stories of people saying that, hey, I saw this thing 10, 15 years ago. So it's it's sort of come into the forefront recently, but people say it's been happening for a long time. And I've heard um, military bases especially seem to see them quite often around military bases with a couple of stories. And, and I didn't write those stories down. I didn't bring them with me. But one of them was like an Air Force base yeah. where the guy was standing watch and one ran right past him. And and it was multiple witnesses. He had a guy yell at him like, hey, man, look out. And as he turned, he sees this, you know, this see-through humanoid shape run past him. Well, and I think that kind of associates, at least with some of the stories I read, of possible being alien, which would make sense if you want to believe that. It's an alien coming to a military base to say, hey, what y'all up to? One of our episodes not that long ago, we talked about, like, why you see UFOs around military and Air Force bases so much. Yep. So, but also sightings of Glimmer Men, Glimmer Man do often coincide with other paranormal phenomenon, such as UFO sightings, crop circles, and and other things like that. So it could possibly be related to these other things. Now, crop circles have often been blamed on aliens, obviously UFOs or aliens or interdimensional beings. So, you know, maybe, maybe the Glimmer Man is an alien entity and we're just seeing it in weird places or whatever. But man, some of these stories that I brought with me today are just so much like Predator. As a matter of fact, one of them, and, and we'll get to that, I mean... You'll see the connection like when I get to that point. So I got a couple of short ones I'm going to start with. The first one is by Reddit user Odin's Raven 1976. I'm going to assume he's just one year older than me. 
<laughs> uh, he reported seeing a glimmer man in Scotland. He was standing at the back door getting a breath of fresh air. It's raining outside. It's about 1.30 in the morning. When suddenly he noticed just the sound, the atmosphere, everything just felt wrong. And he said it was just, it got completely silent. Like all those outdoor noises stopped, which seems to be pretty common in these stories. And just the atmosphere felt wrong. And that's another thing people say. Like when the glimmer man's around, you feel you it feel before it. you see it. Almost like an electricity in the air. So he's looking around and as he looks off to his, his right, he sees two bright white eyes that quickly disappear. And as he watched, he sees this outline of a human-like shape. And he, he said he could see right through it. He compared it to like looking through water. And he watched it slowly move across the yard. Now in the rain, he lost track of it. But shortly thereafter, he heard three thumps uh, as if the creature had climbed over his fence. There was another story. This one was, was in an article I had read where a man reported that both he and his niece had had encounters with a glimmer man on the same property. So the first sighting was July of 2018. He'd gone to bed for the night. He was living with his girlfriend, living in his mom's house at the time. The bedroom light was on. He's laying there in bed awake. His, his girlfriend had got up to go downstairs uh, for whatever, get something to eat, whatever. And he suddenly felt like the bed was shaking or vibrating. Now he gets up. He's, he's startled. He's, he gets, well, he doesn't get up, but he, you know, he sits up in bed. He starts looking around. He sees a silhouette like that of human shape. Now, the way he described it, he could see right through it but it was like heat waves in the shape of a person. He realized that the bed shaking was actually him shaking in terror. He was already shivering in fear before he'd even seen this. Somehow he detected it without knowing it was even there. And he almost felt paralyzed watching it as it walked to the foot of the bed and then walked up the side of the bed that he was laying on. And then suddenly his brain just, nope, we're out of here. (laughs) He jumps up out of bed. He runs out of the room and he runs downstairs. Mom and his girlfriend see him, you know, ask him what's going on. They think he's lost his mind. Freaking out. So a week or so later, his niece comes over for a visit. This is my, you know, a little 10-year-old girl. And she liked riding the family's four-wheeler. That was what she did when she came over. So she hopped on the four-wheeler. They, they set her up, and she took off for a nice long ride. Well, she come back much sooner than she normally would have. She was gone just a few minutes, you know. And normally she'd be out, you know, forever. That was, that was what she did. And as she come into the house, they asked her what happened because she looked like she'd seen a ghost. She was, she was shaking. She was pale. And she's like, at first, she's like, I don't want to tell you. You're not going to believe me. And they're like, okay, go on. You know, what's going on? You know, because who knows in this day and age what right. this little girl ran into. So finally, she says, look, I was chased by an invisible person while I was on the four-wheeler. She said it was the size of an adult. She, she, there was no feature. She couldn't see anything. She could see right through it. Now, of course, this guy, he immediately recognizes Hey, she's seen something. He told her. He told her he'd seen the same thing. So these were two people that had seen basically the same thing on the same property. So but whatever it is, I mean, apparently they were having problems with it. I'll share a story. This was uh, one I found on the internet. Uh, took place in 2021. Story of uh, Scott and Chelsea. Now, their last name they did not give, but uh, they had decided to move out in, as they described it, the middle of nowhere in an old house in Benton County, Tennessee. They wanted to escape the the city life, so to speak. I don't blame them. I don't blame them a bit. Uh, And especially this particular family had three children and Chelsea was pregnant with uh, a little girl. Now, two of their children, the oldest were twin girls and they had autism. So they required some special extra care. That was part of the reason why they definitely wanted to move out more to the country. Um, They also had a younger little boy who was about three years old. Now, Scott had come home uh, one evening and uh, he had you know, started to get settled in the house when he realized he'd left something out in his car. 
Not thinking much of it, he slipped on a pair of slippers and looked down to his feet there for their little small dog who followed him everywhere. If he was home, this little dog was right by his side. However, this night, his little furry companion just stood inside the front of the door and whimpered, refusing to go outside. Um, He kind of shrugged his shoulders and continued on outside. Now, Scott says he remembers that night there was something else that was very different. There was absolutely no sounds. Uh, Growing accustomed to the country life, they had been there for a few months, deep out in the woods, you know, normally there was the sound of crickets and frogs and cicadas and even the occasional hoot owl. But this night, it was, as he'd described it, deathly quiet. Again, kind of shrugging all this off, kind of an eerie feeling, but he continued down the steps of their large front porch, started making his way towards the car. He says about 10 foot before he reached the car, he felt the hairs on the back of his neck stand straight up. It was as if like there was some sort of an energy in the air, but there were no storms. Uh, Actually, some cloud cover, he said, but there was quite a lot of the moon that was showing and even providing natural light. But he felt as if something was watching him. He kept looking around, but he saw nothing. He made it finally uh, to his car, he said a little bit quicker than he anticipated, and grabbed what he had forgotten, shut the car door, and turned back towards the house. At that precise moment, he heard some twig snap and something rustling slightly in the shrubs that surrounded their entire porch of their house. Now, first he thought maybe he'd scared a rabbit or a raccoon. Uh, He'd seen a rabbit earlier that day, so that's kind of what came to his mind. But then there was a loud thud and a rather large rock. Scott says it was the size of a cantaloupe. Now, that's almost small boulder to me. That's (laughs) That's a big rock landed near the sidewalk in his direction. He immediately pulled out his pistol, which uh, he had went to the car to retrieve. And he yelled out, whoever you are, you better show yourself now or I will shoot. Still, there was nothing. He speculated maybe it was some teenagers, uh, although the nearest neighbor lived about a mile up the road and they were older. But maybe there were some teenagers that come in and were messing with the new folks that had moved in from the city. He holstered his sidearm and started walking back towards the house with a quickened pace. As he got closer to the steps of the front porch, he heard a lar- what he described as a loud panting noise, like that of a very large dog coming up from behind him, quickly closing the gap. He said, I leapt up two or three of the steps to the front porch and again unholstered the pistol, turned around and drew it and said, whoever you are, stop. And he saw nothing. Now, that night went on uneventful but this wasn't the last occurrence for the family. A few weeks after that, Scott and Chelsea was relaxing in their living room downstairs. Their two daughters were upstairs fast asleep, and the three-year-old little boy was in an adjacent room with a curtain kind of pulled across the doorway to block out the reading lamp Chelsea was using and to kind of muffle the TV that Scott was watching. All of a sudden, Chelsea kind of sat straight up in the chair, appearing very startled, and she said, Did you hear that? turned the television down and listened for a few seconds. He goes, no, no, I I don't hear anything. She said it sounded like a baby crying, but it was outside. She quickly got up to go check on the three-year-old little boy in the other room, and he was laying there on the love seat with his blanket. She then explained, there, I heard heard it again, Scott. There's a a baby outside. I've got to go look. Scott listened again. Word of advice for our listeners. Don't ever do that without calling the cops first. Apparently, that's a common trick for people that are attempting to kidnap. Oh, wow. So I've, I've actually heard that story. And I don't mean to interrupt. No, no. If you hear a baby crying outside and it seems weird at night or whatever, call, call the, the cops. cops. But 
good sound advice. Well, Scott listened again and he goes, hon, I, I don't hear anything. He watched as his wife made her way to the front door. And he says, now, if you knew my wife, Chelsea, she didn't like to go into the woods in the daylight, much <laughs> less in the dead of night. But something seemed to be persistent. Something seemed to really hit a chord with her. So Scott stopped her and said, no, you're not going out there. I'll take a flashlight. I'll go look around. You're pregnant and you don't need to be out there. Scott tried to reason with Chelsea, but she maintained and continued, she said, to hear a baby's or young child's cries. And Scott explained, if there was a child out there, we would both be able to hear it, not just you. And at this point, he began to kind of wonder about his wife's mental health. He did go outside. He looked around, had his pistol, had the flashlight, never hearing anything, never finding anything. The rest of the night went uneventful. A few weeks later still, their three-year-old little boy is outside playing on the front lawn. He loved to play outside, but he knew he was only allowed to stay within the sight of one of his parents. And Scott was out there mowing the yard that day. And Chelsea was sitting on the front porch with the two daughters playing inside in the living room. Now, the neighbor that I had mentioned uh, came down the road nearby the house and his truck honked and he pulled over to the side of the road ditch and Scott went over to greet him. The whole incident, he said, took place literally in maybe 12 to 15 seconds. He said, it was just small talk. You know, how's things going? Scott replied, I'm doing good. How about yourself? The neighbor then said his wife uh, and him were fine, but his wife actually was a teacher to their twin daughters in school. And he mentioned that she had a gift up at the house and they would return with it uh, over the weekend. And they waved at each other and he drove off. The whole event was over. Now, during those few seconds, Scott looked around and noticed the three-year-old boy was gone. Nowhere to be seen. Pregnant Chelsea got up and kind of started walking around the railing of the front porch. Also surveying the side yard and the backyard. They quickly ran around to the back of the house. There was a public lake access with a road uh, back about 500 foot away from their house. The fear had always been that someone who maybe had been out partying, drinking a bit too much, might be driving on that road, coming back from the lake a little too fast, not paying attention, and possibly hit one of the kids. These are the things that parents dread and think of, and this is kind of immediately what went through their head. But beyond that lake was something like a thousand acres of untouched natural forest preserve. Now, all of these things raced through their minds as they started calling out the little boy's name. Luckily, Scott spotted him riding his little plastic pedal car, and he was heading directly into the woods, which he never did. But they luckily were able to stop him. The little boy began to point at the woods and, you know, babble as a three-year-old would, as if trying to tell them he'd seen something in the woods. They both looked, but seen nothing and blew it off, thinking he was, you know, possibly saw a deer, maybe even a squirrel. But the little boy began to cry and just avidly scream as they took him away from the woods and closer to the house. At one point, he even kicked and got loose and made a mad dash back running towards the woods. It was like another something was calling them, calling the child. They heard nothing. The parents did. They kind of blew it all off. They were able to capture the child again and bring him back to the safety of the house. The rest of the day went uneventful. About three months later, after the very first incident, involving going out to the car, their niece was staying with them. Now, she was out of school and was looking for a bit of extra cash for babysitting overnight. Scott and Chelsea eagerly jumped at the opportunity, uh, allowed her to babysit for the night, and they decided they'd go into town and buy some groceries, but also have a little bit of a date night. 
Now, on the way home, Scott spotted some large glowing eyes near one of the roadside ditches as he approached the house. Now, this was kind of near a clump of trees. He called out to Chelsea, who had also obviously seen them as they were both pointing in the same direction. But as they both squinted and drove closer, the eyes, which were glowing a golden green color, as they described, like that of a cat, immediately vanished. Scott pulled the car over about where that area was, grabbed his sidearm, and stepped out of the car, with Chelsea remaining in the car, but rolled the window down. They compared notes, and they were able to use a limb as a gauge of sorts, a small limb that kind of dangled down over the road, and they said that that was about the point they had saw the glowing eyes. Now, it was a small limb, as I would said, but not large enough to support anything of any size. Using this as a point of reference, the creature they thought must have been nearly eight feet tall. Now, Scott could not even think about reaching or jumping that high, standing in the road, so he made his way back to the car, and as he did, there was a large commotion that came from the woods. He said it sounded like something large, like a horse or a cow, like literally running off through the woods with twigs breaking and limbs snapping, and it was headed directly towards their house. Scott immediately jumped in and sped home, pulled in with their headlights and surveyed the areas, the yards around the house. Now in doing so, the niece came out or came to the front door looking out to see what was going on. She spotted that it was Scott and Chelsea's car and opened the door and came out onto the porch. They saw nothing. Scott told the teenage niece what they had seen and heard, and she said it had been all quiet there all evening. Said the kids are inside playing. They did stay up past their bedtime a little. So she came off the porch as Scott started unloading some of the groceries that they had stopped and picked up. Chelsea took a few bags in and went into the house to, to check on the kids. After a few trips of carrying the bags, Scott seen something move from behind an outbuilding and in his eye, or in his words, dart behind his large pickup that was parked there to the side. He called out to the niece to come away from the car and get inside as he reached for his sidearm once again. She looked at him puzzled, and then he saw this thing leap from the back of his truck to behind the car where the niece had the passenger door open and was shutting it. Scott then said, The combination of the porch light and the dome light of the car, he saw what he saw was huge. He said it was definitely seven, maybe eight foot tall, and he said for the first time he got a glimpse. It had gray, long, kind of scraggly-looking hair and a muscled body. The niece then heard it land and start to approach her, and she ran screaming towards Scott, passing him literally running up the steps to the front porch. Scott fired several shots, avoiding the car, but apparently scaring the creature off. He said it jumped almost six foot straight up in the air over the trunk of the car landed, and then bounced what would have been easily 20 foot back behind the parked pickup truck up against the old barn building. He said during the time it was moving, in midair, it vanished out of the light, almost like the cloaking mechanism that it kicked in. But he could still hear it, and he could hear the movement. And every now and then he could see almost like it was phasing in and out with one of the exterior lights that was there mounted on the barn. Stranger still, he heard his own voice, his own words that he had just used towards his niece. It was like this thing was mocking him, almost like it had the ability to record and mimic the things that it heard. Scott shut the car door, locked up the vehicles, and set out for the front porch. Now, literally, he decided to set camp up outside on the front porch with a rifle the entire night 
with the niece, the pregnant wife, and the three children all inside. Now, during this time, he pondered all night what he had seen, what he had heard, and no one else had got a glimpse of it uh, or heard his voice like it was mocking him. Only he knew that, and he had not shared that. He quickly remembered some of the other incidences that the family uh, had had that occurred over the past few months. Chelsea had said she'd heard what she thought was that of a a small child or a baby crying. Their three-year-old had actually fallen and bumped his knees earlier that same day. What if this thing was mimicking the son, using that as a, a means to try to lure Chelsea out? He wasn't sure why he couldn't hear that child that night, but possibly it could pick who it wanted to hear or communicate with. Perhaps it was because she was pregnant, and by a baby crying, it thought that would be an easier target. Now that night, Chelsea came out on the porch a couple times to check on Scott. She asked him a couple times in the night, and he said Scott had called out to her from inside the house. He said, no, no, I haven't. I've been here all night. Whatever this thing was, it was definitely calling out to people using other people's voices to do so. Well, and and maybe to me, it seems like it can single out certain individuals to only hear certain things like you were kind of talking about earlier. Only I, th- I figured, you you know, in the psychic sense, but it seems like, you know, it can, if the wife would hear him calling out, you'd think that'd be yeah. loud enough. He'd hear it too. Exactly. And then when Chelsea heard the baby crying in the same room, he didn't yeah. hear that. So it's th- weird. It's very weird. Very powerful. Uh, when morning finally come, they all went out and checked for tracks. They found absolutely nothing. So I have a couple more here that I brought with me. Reddit user Marauding Thunderer posted the following. And uh, I'm just going to assume that Marauding Thunderer is a, a woman based on some wording. So I'm just going to say she. I might be wrong. And if I am, I apologize. Uh, but when, when Marauding Thunderer was a teenager, they were hanging out at a friend's house and said bestie. So that's kind of why I'm assuming yeah. female. Bestie. Uh, and this was the coastal community of Badger's Head, Tasmania. Apparently not a very big place. I love that name, though. Yeah. Badger's Head, kind Tasmania. Of a, yeah, it's kind of a, an exotic name. Uh, now... Well, it gets even better. Apparently, <laughs> what they had been doing all day was they were throwing an axe at a nearby pine tree oh, just to kill time. That's my kind of gal. And uh, later on, they had settled down kind of in front of the house where they were sitting, uh, just hanging out. It was about 10 p.m. at night. It's a small community. They had said they, they only had one single street light in the whole town. Oh, goodness. And they could see it from their front yard. So they were, uh, you know, other than that, it's just pitch black. It's darkness. Nothing. And so that light's shining down on the gravel road. I mean, that's how rural this is. And, and they were all just sitting there watching moths fly in and out of the light when the poster there saw a tall figure standing just inside the light and described it as a featureless humanoid form that was transparent and just barely perceptible. Again, it was sitting still. So, you know, unless you move or it moves, it's kind of hard to see. Now, they crouched down kind of trying to hide from whatever it was. And all the friends that were there, they, they did the same thing. They, they saw what was going on, but they had not yet seen what was in the light. And so they're like, so what, what'd you see? And, uh, you know, the poster kind of points over and just whispers there. And that's, they all saw it. And uh, apparently their reaction to what they saw must have startled the creature because at that point it moved. And as it did, it kicked a large rock towards them. Now, of course, when that happened, they all freaked out. They ran inside and uh, just, hunkered down for the night the next day i'm going to interrupt you there something just dawned on me you you had mentioned there threw a rock mm-hmm. in my story they threw a cantaloupe sized rock yeah what other cryptid do we know 
that throws rocks often. Well. And one in my story, they saw gray hair. I was going to say, I have seen multiple stories in the process of researching for this about invisible Bigfoot. Yeah. So. Didn't mean to interrupt. No, that's, I I mean, I was thinking the same thing when you said the gray hair. I was, because you said they saw it and I was like, well, we're talking about an invisible creature and then. Yeah. So, no, I understand. Well, the next day they get out and they look at that rock on the ground and they all tried to move a similar size stone and, and said it was almost impossible. Big rock. So this is a big size rock. They said it went about halfway deep in the ground mm. when it hit. They did find three-toed footprints in the dirt where they had seen the creature. Not human. Uh, now, after this, the poster said they began to see these things more often once they knew what they were looking for and went and talked to a friend's boyfriend about it. And he was a long-term local. And he told them that he'd seen UFOs in the area pretty regularly. So, again, they were associating it with UFOs. Now, this is a good one, and this one ties into the Predator thing really well. This is a, a story that a woman in Illinois told, and it was reported in a local paper, I believe. She started her account with this quote. This is 100% true and is really hard for me to share because anytime I have tried to tell someone else about it, I get laughed at and accused of just trying to pull their leg. Now, she had read an article about a woman who was hunting and had seen an invisible creature like the Predator from the movie. And after reading that story, she, she realized that she had a similar story to tell. And if this other woman was brave enough to come forward and tell her story, well, then she could too. So she said the first time anything happened, she was five years old. She'd been playing by the woods behind her grandmother's house. And this is southern Illinois, not far from Cahokia Mounds. So, you know, it's the St. Saint Louis area. St. Louis area. Yep, absolutely. Said she had been uh, digging in the yard looking for arrowheads, apparently, something she liked to do. And since you're not far from Cahokia, pretty Why common. not? Yeah. Uh, said she was digging in the yard when something caught her attention up in the tree that she was sitting next to. Uh, she didn't know what she was seeing, but said in her own words, it looked almost like a heat wave coming off the branch of the tree. Now, she stared at it. She didn't know what it was, but she realized that it had a human shape to it. Now, she was only five, but she does just remember being terrified of the invisible man in the tree. And then the creature started to move and make a faint clicking sound as it did. That's right out of like uh, the Predator movie with Jesse, the body Ventura, and he's got his, was it cigar or something? He's like, it's right there. Yeah. Well, this this ties in a little bit more here. Uh, The creature started moving, making this faint clicking sound, and that was enough for her. She ran back into the house, and her grandmother tried to calm her down, and I believe she told her grandmother she saw an angel in the tree that scared her, and then, of course, the grandma was like, well, if you saw an angel, it shouldn't have scared you. I've heard other stories with young kids relate this to an angel, because it's the only thing they you know, they, they don't have a lot to relate to. So, okay. Interesting. So we'll jump ahead a few years later on. She's about 12 years old. She really hadn't thought much about the experience when she was five. You know, you, you forget those things. They don't really stick around too much. And by then she enjoyed watching action and sci-fi movies, especially with her dad. Well, her dad had rented a, a little film by the name of Predator. Ta-da! Now she's watching it with him. It's the first time she's ever seen it. And the first time it shows the Predator in cloaked mode, that, that weird, digital, hazy, see-through version, it all came back to her. All those memories from being five years old just flooded back. And she was horrified, terrified. Yeah, this, this all was in her head now. And she asked her dad, like she was scared. He could tell she was scared. And she said, well, is, is the Predator real? Is that thing <laughs> real? Is that a real creature? And he goes, no. And she goes, well, is there an animal that can look like that? And he's like, again, sweetie, no, I don't, I don't think so. And she tells him the story and he's, you know, tries to, well, you know, maybe, maybe not. 2004, this young girl has grown up. She's got three children of her own. Apparently she'd, she'd gone through some things with her husband. They had separated and she had to, she moved into a small apartment with her kids. 
they're new there. They just started living there. Now they lived in a decent sized town. And while this apartment complex was considered to be in town, it was like the hairy edge of town. Like they had, a, I believe it was like a yard area, a ditch and then forest. And, and that was, you know, that was the edge of town. So one night she goes out to get a cigarette and she won't smoke in the house around her kids, which I respect that. Yeah. But she'd been doing laundry. I guess she was, you know, folding clothes or whatever. She's like, yeah, I'm just going to take a break. So she steps outside to get a cigarette. She starts to hear a clicking sound. And it all comes back again. She's heard this noise before. She knows what this is. She looks around. She doesn't immediately see anything. And it stops. Now, you may have already said this. Is this all still in the same vicinity? Or has she I, moved I now? It doesn't say for say? sure. Okay. Because it almost sounds like this thing is kind of, you know, stalking Maybe. her possibly. So she doesn't see anything. She goes back to her cigarette and then the sound happens again. And this time she sees a slight movement and, and it's just kind of out of the corner of her eye. So she looks up into the tree just to the left of the porch and there she sees the same invisible thing that she'd seen when she was five years old. And she described it as like a distortion and in a humanoid shape. It's crouched down on the branch with an arm out holding onto the trunk of the tree. I mean, we've seen that in the Predator movie. Yes, it's, yes. it's straight out of that movie. And all she could think of was keeping her kids safe. That was her first thought. So she runs inside. She Mama slams. Mama bear and, instinct kicks yeah. in. Yeah. She slams and locks the door. She goes to the kids' room. She makes sure the windows are locked in their rooms. And then she goes and she sits in the living room and she just stares out the window at that tree. And she's just staring there. She wants to see where it's at. She wants to keep her eyes on it. And she's there for about 10 minutes. She doesn't really see it anymore. She doesn't think it's there. Maybe it's gone on. And she starts to convince herself, maybe I'm just tired. Maybe my mind's been playing tricks on me. And as she's finally getting calmed down enough that she's like, you know, maybe I didn't see anything. The neighbor's dog comes running across the yard. And it doesn't say how big this dog is. But the dog comes running over. It stops at the bottom of that tree, stares at that branch, and just loses its mind. Just starts barking and growling <laughs> and carrying on. And it's, it's the exact same branch. She knows that it's there. The dog can see it. And she'd never heard this dog bark. She said it was a really quiet dog. She didn't even realize the neighbor had a dog. But she had never heard a dog bark in the neighborhood. So this was the first time she'd ever heard this dog bark. I know she's new there, but, you know, my dogs bark. They bark, you yeah. know. It, 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 she'd it's never, not like they, they decide to bark one yeah. day. It's they, they never bark heard, all the time or not. She'd never heard this dog bark before. So the neighbor comes out, dog's carrying on, you know, and, hey, you know, calls the dog back inside. Said the dog reluctantly would head for the house, but stop just every few feet, turn around, bark a couple of times, you know, move a little bit further, turn around. I see you. Until it finally got back in the house. So, again, she had multiple encounters over, well, from the time she was five years old till she was an adult with three kids. So, interesting. Well, I've got another story. This took place in March of 2020. Uh, actually, I got this off of Reddit. Uh, to give credit, it was a story by a Debbie Hatswell of BBR Investigations. Now, as we've talked a little bit tonight, some, uh, some describe the Glimmer Man uh, if they actually get to see it as having possibly fur, being very tall in stature. And because of this, I found this story similar, yet obviously very different. As I get into it, you'll understand, but possibly the same creature. As a young man, Emilio and his parents spent most of their leisure hours out in the woodlands. They would hunt, they would hike, fish, and enjoy the woods and all that it had to offer. They visited many of America's national parks, mountain ranges, and they also owned a family cabin located in Red River, New Mexico. It was on one of these visits that Emilio first encountered a creature that would reappear through his life, very similar to Bill's last story. Emilio was at the home uh, and, and the outdoors, and he knew 
all the native animals and game there. I mean, he grew up literally outside. And on one visit with his family to the cabin at about 6 a.m. in the morning, Emilio decided to stay back at the cabin while his parents went down to the lake to fish before breakfast. And as I understood it, he just kind of stayed back and had a late breakfast and just had a cup of coffee and was just kind of enjoying, you know, the cabin and the outdoors. Now, while he was sitting at the table, he was playing solitaire. Emilio heard footsteps approaching the cabin on the gravel driveway. Now, from what I understood, the windows were open. They were like screen, you know, screen wire. So you could still definitely hear stuff from outside. Now, figuring it was his parents returning early, he got up to look out the window and he sees about 50 yards away, a tall deer headed creature walking on two legs, walking directly towards his cabin. That sounds like a Wendigo. It does. The deer head on this creature was a skull. Oh, okay. Well, not, similar, but not, not fleshy, complete with antlers or, or horns. The, the creature makes its way to the door and mimics Emilio's mother's voice, asking, then pleading to be let in. Now, as Emilio obviously ignored this voice, it gets deeper and deeper and more distorted from his mother's voice. He ignored the request to enter, and eventually the creature moved back down the driveway. I don't know how the dude stayed as calm as he did, but he just kind of sat back there at the table and he says, I stared at the door, you know, watched the windows. I, I don't, maybe he didn't have a gun there, but he talks about hunting. I don't know how he stayed so, so calm. But uh, when his parents finally came back to the cabin, Emilio told them, you know, what he had seen, what he experienced that morning. They tried to explain it away as some ordinary creature that was maybe eating a deer. I'm not sure what creature would stand on two hind legs with trying to eat a deer as it come up. But hey, you know, whatever parents got to tell people to, you know, get through. Um, they also said that maybe Emilio had, uh, you know, just mistaken what he'd seen and maybe nodded off to sleep and it maybe dreamed the entire event and it didn't even actually occur. But Emilio knew this was not what he had seen, and he knew that he did not fall asleep. He saw this thing with his own two eyes. He heard it hammering on the cabin door. He could hear its footsteps crunching on the gravel and its voice speak with his mother's voice. Frustrated with the answers from his parents, uh, he was already spooked by the incident, and he decided it would be best if he would just shut his mouth and just totally ignore it, and they didn't talk about it again. Now, several years later, Emilio was hiking in the mountains of Montana, so we moved from New Mexico to Montana, obviously quite a distance. On a seldom-used trail on private land, he is out on one of his normal hikes looking for deer sign when he suddenly realizes the trail that he is on is completely quiet all of the sudden. No birds, you know, no insects, very similar to what I described in my first story. No songbird, no nothing. Dead silence. And Emilio looks around kind of confused. He remembers hearing the animals and creatures during the hike, but he wasn't real sure when it had stopped. He suddenly gets that feeling that he had had years ago, that he is being watched. As he looks around through the tree lines to see possibly what is watching him, he sees the same deer-headed skull creature standing there in the trees observing him, standing almost eight foot tall. So here's another one that just kind of seems to follow him, you know, multiple states away. And it sounded like at least 10 to 15 years apart. It could have possibly been a skinwalker thing too. 
I thought Wendigo immediately, but then when it said a skull deer, you know, that kind of changed it. Uh, it, it had the fur, several decryptids do have oh, we, fur. We've said before, some of these things do kind of bleed over into each other. So. But the mimic thing is what really okay. yeah. brought me into, it's like, okay, this could be the, you know, a similar creature. I, I don't know. Creepy as all get out nonetheless. Well, this is my, my last anecdote, but I think it was my favorite one that I found. And it was by, uh, it was posted a couple of years ago by Reddit user 01101001100. Little binary code. There. I don't remember my binary well enough to interpret that. But. <laughs> the post was titled, Please Don't Think I'm Crazy. I Saw What I Can Only Describe as the Creature from the Predator Movie. So the poster, which I, in this story, I will assume was a man. Again, I apologize if, if I'm wrong. Uh, and three of their friends were hiking. Now, this was an overnight hike in the San Bernardino National Forest. And as they were walking one by one, they noticed that they had kind of drifted off the trail. So he was, you know towards the back and he asked the friend in front of him like why are we why are we drifting off trail so that person leans forward and asks the person in front of them say hey why are we why are we leading off trail like this and that friend says i can hear a woman talking you guys don't hear that so of course they they didn't they they hadn't heard anything they didn't know what was going on so they said no they chose to ignore it since it was getting dark and they were getting close to where they were going to camp anyway now the friend in front was a female and she insisted that she heard this woman calling for help it sounded really close, and she wanted to make sure this person was okay. She wanted to go investigate it in case they needed help. Now, at this point, the other friends are spooked because they still haven't heard anything. They haven't heard any of this. They don't know what she's talking about. So they go off trail, set about 400 meters, and they find themselves just completely lost at some point. They, they don't know where they're at anymore. So they tried to find the trail for like 20 minutes. They couldn't get back. Again, it's starting to get dark. They all start to have this weird and strange feeling, kind of like a lightheaded, just things aren't right. Uh, they described it as if something had changed in the environment around them. And then the female friend again says she hears the voice saying, I'm over here. Please help me. And it sounds like this person's hurt or crying. So they're lost in the woods. They're feeling strange. They don't know what's going on. One of them's hearing voices. They said, okay, we're going we're gonna to stop for the night. They found a clearing and they started to set up camp, hoping that in the morning with the sun, they could find the trail again. So before they even get started with camp prep, the poster noticed there was something moving on a nearby tree like it was being climbed. Something was climbing up this tree. Now, he thought it was an animal at first, but realized it, it wasn't anything. He could just see the rough outline of a human-shaped creature climbing up the side of this tree. Said it was completely transparent, like heat waves on the pavement in summertime. It's just a wavy, liquid-like transparent effect. Now, the other friend saw it too, mainly due to the foliage around it being displaced as it moved. Like we said, it kind of disrupts what you're looking at as it moves. And they all thought it was some kind of optical illusion. They couldn't possibly be seeing what they were seeing. And as they watched it, they realized that it was also watching them. And it finally climbed up the tree far enough that it was crouched down on a branch about 50 feet up. They also noticed that as they were watching it, that all the normal forest sounds had stopped. It's, it's just dead quiet. So for about 10 minutes, they're watching this thing. And then it climbs even higher up into the tree and it finally gets out of sight. So they all walk over as a group and they walk up to the tree and they're looking around. They can't see what it is. Like they don't see anything up there. They don't see this creature anymore, whatever it is. But then, you know, they never heard it jump to another tree. They just assume it stayed up there watching them all night. They didn't know. So now they're too spooked to camp. They're not going to camp under this tree. <laughs> I don't blame them. At, with God knows what lurking in it. So they gather up their gear. They start walking. It takes them five minutes to find the trail. And they're on the trail again, and they, they hoof it. Now, I talked earlier about a friend of mine back in the late 90s. I remember talking to this guy, and 
He said he had seen a clip of video, whether he'd seen it on TV or whatever. This was early days of the internet, so downloading a video would have taken some time. But he said he saw a video of a pair of hunters in the woods, like a VHS, and that an invisible thing attacked them. Maybe not attack them is not the right word, but they did encounter some invisible thing. Now, I did stumble across a video like this on YouTube as I was doing my research. Hmm. It was part of a movie that was made not that long ago, but it is the exact thing he described to me. So I don't know if my friend had a premonition or something, or if he'd actually seen other footage. Maybe the movie was based, based on, on that story. Yeah. Um, I know there was an X-Files episode. Yes. With a similar type creature back I then. I that one. So what came first? The yeah. Glimmer Man or the X-Files episode? <laughs> Well, Bill, is it headlines time? I've got one from November 2019. Uh, it was an internet article uh, from uh, They Bite, B-Y-T-E, by a Kirsten Hauser. Real-life invisibility cloak and cloaking technology for the military is here. Canada's hyper-stealth biotechnology already manufactures camouflage uniforms for militaries across the globe. But now, the company has patented a new quantum stealth material that disguises a military soldier's or even its tanks, aircrafts, or ships, that's big, by making anything behind it seem invisible. Bullet point here is called Lightbender. Early in October, Hyperstealth filed a patent for the material, which doesn't require a power source and is both paper-thin and very inexpensive, all traits that could make it appealing for the use on the battlefield. According to a press release, it works by bending the light around a target to make it seemingly disappear. This light can be in the visible spectrum or can be ultraviolet, infrared, or shortwave infrared light making the material what hyperstealth calls broadband invisibility cloaks. Next bullet point was ready for battle. Alongside the news of the patent application, hyperstealth released more than 100 minutes worth of actual footage describing and demonstrating this new material. And if the press release doesn't make it clear that the military is the company's target customer, then the video footage certainly does. In one segment, Hyperstealth shows how it can hide a scaled-down version of a tank by placing a thin sheet of this material above it. In another, it renders a small jet invisible by placing this lightweight sheet, if you will, uh, behind the quantum stealth material. Now that Hyperstealth has reached the patent application stage with the material, it might not be long before it's fielding orders from militaries interested in keeping their assets under wrap. Now, that was back in t late 2019. Obviously, we're in 2023. I couldn't find anything beyond that. I had seen some headlines when I was looking for mine. I, I saw a lot of headlines about stealth technology like that. I know I've seen in the past where they had developed sort of suit. It was a heavier suit, though, and I think the way it worked was with cameras, where they were a camera on one side was paired with a camera on the other side. So it would it was just like a or it wasn't a camera on one side. It was a, a display on one side paired with a camera on the other. So it was it was literally just showing you what was on the other, other side. side. Yeah. But that would have been a much heavier kind of deal. This I, I saw a video. Uh, 
it was an oriental man. He was out in the woods and literally he unzips his backpack and a small bag, I mean like a sandwich bag. I think I saw size. pictures of that. Yeah. And he opens this thing up and I mean, it's just like a, almost like a shinier version of aluminum foil, yeah. but it's a cloth material. It's very hard to tear or rip. And he takes this out of this like little sandwich bag and, you know, he's opening and spreading it out. And it, I, I'm guessing it's maybe a six by six, six by eight, but literally he's, he's crouched down, uh, kind of on this woodland path and you can see all these trees and vines and stuff all around him. And he just pulls this thing up and it's like one of the, those old magic tricks. And literally he just disappears. I was going to compare it more to that scene in the, the last Lord of the Rings movie with their cloaks that blend into the uh, background. Yeah. And what it is, is this very thin, durable cloth mirror like material. What it does is it reflects the image that's in front. So he's crouched down with, you know, vines and woods and trees on both sides of him. So by pulling this up, it reflects so, so ideally, what's in front of him. You're almost like looking a mirror. Ideally, it's going to work best if you're like in the woods. Yes. Like but you, it could work like in the dunes of a sand or whatever Well, you, in too. an outdoor environment. Like outdoor. If yes. you were in like an urban environment and you reflected what it'd be a the little building harder. in front of you, it might be a little more obvious. Yeah. Maybe if you were in an alley and it was dark or, you know, yeah. But yes, I think it was definitely intended more for outdoor use. But I kid you not, I, I like rewound play, rewound play. It was magical. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's like, am I watching something out of Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings or, or whatever? It was, it was very, very impressive. And to think that this was just a little flattened sandwich bag size thing that the dude carried in the backpack. Well, my headline is alien breakthrough. Invisible aliens exist amongst us on earth by a British astronaut. Oh, so this was from express UK written by Sean Martin on Monday, January 6, 2020. Helen Sharman became the first Briton in space when she visited the Mir space station. And this was part of a private program called Project Juno, which was paid for jointly by the USSR and a group of British companies. Now the former space explorers claiming that not only is life probably common across the cosmos, but that invisible aliens could already be here on Earth. I thought that went along with what we've been talking about. Absolutely. She told the Observer magazine, aliens exist. There's no two ways about it. There are so many billions of stars out there in the universe that there must be all sorts of forms of life. Will they be like you and me made up of carbon and nitrogen? Maybe not. It's possible they're right here right now and we simply can't see them. Now, while claiming that aliens do exist, the experts have warned against trying to contact them. Even Stephen Hawking suggesting it could be dangerous contacting aliens, comparing contact with advanced alien races to when the Europeans encountered Native America and almost eliminated them in order to conquer the New World, writing, Meeting a more advanced civilization at our present stage might be a bit like the original inhabitants of America meeting Columbus, and I don't think they thought they were better off for it. Nip. Ollie Hagstrom, a professor of mathematical statistics at Chalmers University, believes an advanced alien civilization could see us as a threat and destroy us, saying, quote, there are optimists who say that good things can come out of establishing communications. We could learn wonderful things from them. But an extraterrestrial civilization of a very advanced technology might be a threat, and they may want to get rid of us before we become a threat to them. There are real evolutionary-style arguments pointing in that direction. Maybe we would be better off observing exoplanets for 10 to 20 years until we're in a better position to assess the risk of communication. The risk is just too great. 
So maybe we are seeing aliens, or these people are seeing aliens. I've never seen a Glimmer Man. No, I can't say I ever have either. But uh, a lot of these do sound so familiar with the Predator movie. I mean, the clicks, the, if I'm not mistaken, it's been a, a few years since I watched Predator, but uh, the the silence and the jungle, yeah. you know. Well, just, and the the alien, the Predator, you saw the eyes. Yes, yes. In the, in the movie. Uh, perched up on some limb, and, tree. And it could 30, mimic 40, voices. Uh, yes, yeah. There, and, there's a lot in common with that. So, I mean, we've talked about it before. I've mentioned it in a lot of podcasts, that Tulpa idea, the fact that thought can create. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe the movie came out. I told you, most sightings seem to be in the last 20 years. Yeah. Predator come out in the mid 80s, so. Phenomenal movie still holds up today. Honestly, I like all of them. Now, the one with um, Adrian Brody's not great. I wasn't my favorite. Have you seen the last one, Prey? Yes. That one was really good. I really I enjoyed that one. that one, yeah. Yep. My wife's a huge Predator fan, so Jeepers Creepers and Predator. Think oh. what you want, but uh, any time something comes up, we, you gotta we have to be careful with Jeepers Creepers, it. though, because the dude was an actual creep. Yes, yes, yes. But So, question, Bill. Christmas is really not that far away. <laughs> so, if I, you know, probably came up with a, I'm imaginative number of $10,000, and I ordered you one of these military <laughs> Canadian super cloaking uh, devices, and somehow... In that, you also gained the ability of telepathy and the ability to mimic other people's voices. <laughs> a two-part question again. Number one, where would you go hang out and or spy? And number two, who would you screw with, with that mimicking voice? Oh, and man. what exactly would you do? My brother and sister would not be safe. Because <laughs> one. Both I, are long-term listeners, Bill. Be careful. I don't way. see them nearly as much as I should, but. To suddenly have some sort of invisible entity running around their yard and, and where they live. Would you I, show up in the holidays that way? No, I would wait. Uh. You don't show up in the holidays. <laughs> but where they live, I mean, I used, I lived there before I moved in with my wife and, uh. It's kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Well, and there's been experiences out there, like knockings and sounds and stuff. They do live, I mean, the, the gravel road that's in front of their house, there's literally a graveyard on the other side of that road. So. Nice. Um. But yeah, my brother and sister, they would have to be the ones I'd mess so you with. Would, you would hang out there and maybe spy on them. Okay, whose voice would you mimic and how would you use it to mess with them? Our buddy Joe. I got a friend Joe and he likes to mess with people, so they would absolutely believe He'd it get was the him. Blame. <laughs> they would be so mad at Joe. Very smart. And Joe, he he used to, I told you, he was the one that would do the, want some candy? You know, the, <laughs> he, he does that kind of stuff. Anyway, he says and does weird things. So what would you do now? I mean, I mean, what, what sentence well, would, would you say to, to mess with your brother I, and I would sister? I'd probably do the want some candy Want some candy? That or over here, over here. You know, like in Predator. I would definitely do stuff straight out of the movie. <laughs> that would that would so creep me out. I'm seriously. Well, what about you? Well, I mean, who are you going to mess with? Oh, the list is long. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think I oh. would. There are definitely people I would do it with malicious intent. Yes, yes. You're talking about like the, I, yeah. I just assumed you meant the people I'm messing with for fun. No, no, no. No, there are definitely people there, I would harass. There are some people I would definitely harass uh, and I would severely enjoy it and not lose any sleep over it. No. Um, now. I wouldn't harm anybody. Let me just get well, that straight. But, remember, uh, you're here in Missouri too and everybody's got a gun. So oh, yeah. you got to be careful with yeah. that. And this little protective uh, sheet, I don't think is bulletproof yeah, by any means. If it's folded up in a sandwich bag. I, I wouldn't dare mess with my mom or my dad or my or my mother-in-law because honestly, I'd probably give them a heart attack and you know, I definitely don't want that. But 
I, I don't know. I, w- I would have a lot of fun with it. Uh, uh, this is going to show you how weird I am. I, I think I'd go to Walmart and just randomly go through the aisles. But see, again, that goes, if it's just reflecting what you're seeing, Walmart may be a place well, where you'd stand I'm, out. Maybe I want to test this thing. I want to make sure you got is. your money's worth. <laughs> All right. But yeah, maybe down the bread aisle. No, don't pick that loaf. You know, and then maybe sneak over and like squish the loaf of bread as they're going to pick it up. You know, I, I would mess with people <laughs> like that. <laughs> well, folks, we hope that yet you have enjoyed another episode of Nightmares on the Lost Highway. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, real quick, call to action. I think Eric would agree. We'd like to grow this Nightmares on the Lost Highway. Absolutely. If you could, if you're listening on Apple, if you would go and give us a review and, and rate us. Uh, if you have some feedback, that's fine, too. Uh, whatever whatever platform you're listening, follow us, rate us, give us some reviews. That helps get some recognition and gets our name out there. We do have a Facebook page, Nightmares on the Lost Highway. You can easily find us if you want to communicate with us. If you want to share some uh, possibilities for future podcasts with us, you know, reach out. We want to talk with you guys. Glimmerman is what I'm going to call it. That's apparently what they call it everywhere. Man, all you pull up is the damn Steven Seagal. <laughs> I was going to say, not to be confused with the Steven Seagal movie of the same name. Yeah. Believes an advanced alien civilization could see us as a threat and destroy it. But could see us as a... Th- <laughs> want to take a time to thank the people that helped bring this all together. Uh, Alex Tudor, you can almost call him our producer at this point. Sarah Tudor, who also helps with some of the technical stuff. I want to take a moment to extend thanks to Eric for letting us use his space to record in, kind of our makeshift studio. I, in turn, would like to thank Bill for, one, putting up with me and uh, (laughs) using this camaraderie to do something we both very much love and enjoy doing. And thank Bill's family for allowing him to spend all the time to work and clean up our recordings and present them in what uh, you hear in the final uh, terms. Uh, the final edition, if you will. And I'd like to thank all of you for continuing to, to listen. I know we've got some loyal followers out there. We do this as a labor of love, but we're, we're happy that there are people that enjoy it as, hopefully as much as we do. Thank you very much.